Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I believe it's afternoon for most people listening in the chat right now. I'm Steph. You're logged into the Burgundy Radio podcast for the 2018 trade deadline, February 26th, 2018. It's the only Colorado Avalanche podcast with text-to-speech Mark Alt on standby. Coming up on the show, the Avalanche make a random waiver claim and do absolutely nothing at the trade deadline. But we poke around what else happened in the league, and I'm joined by a few voices this week, including Arlo Six. Hey, Earl. Good afternoon, all. Also joined by Rudo, what's going on? Why did we do this to ourselves? And joined as usual by Jackie, Tiger Vixen, what's up? Greetings. And by Vlad, the voice himself. The voice is here. Just time for a speedy week recap on Tuesday. Avs steal a wild win, 5-4 over the Vancouver Canucks on the back of five power play goals. Seems sustainable. Then on Thursday, Avs fall in overtime, 3-2 to the Edmonton Oilers. And finally on Saturday, Avs look god-awful and get stomped 5-1 by the Calgary Flames, with the lone highlight being Nathan McKinnon's low goal from the red line. So, that's that. Trades? Trades. Trades. Colorado Avalanche made. No trades. There is no No post-deadline conference call. There's merely an interview on Facebook before the game tonight between Mark Mosier and Joe Sackick. No rental of Blake Como, no deal for Carl Soderberg or Colin Wilson, but they did add an impending UFA. That's right, they picked up the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Alt, off waivers from the Philadelphia Flyers. Alt is a 26-year-old defender with nine NHL games played and zero points with underlying, suggesting in those eight games this season, he's been bad and lucky. Here's what we thought about this deal as the news came out. This is likely because the avalanche of a bunch of injured people. And yeah. he's on an expiring deal. And Z, 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 Z. Pretty much. It's a dumb move, and it feels like they failed to get Ian Cole, so they did this instead. <laughs> Which arguably is better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I get it. it. Especially with the Rampage having to play a game with five defensemen over the weekend. They, and then they sent Mirano down yesterday and he actually went there was it a paper move left abs was 60 (laughs) you know that (laughs) what the hell is that it's it's the new it's it's elite prospects pronunciation guide thing Right, like you need help with that name. <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> uh, here we go. Hartman and a fifth uh, for. Everybody? Mark all. I bet he doubles his NHL experience by the end of the year. Well, you say that, but we spotted Lindholm in a pumpkin today. <clears throat> It's still a pumpkin, though. That could mean two weeks of setbacks. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think he's going to have to earn his spot in the lineup, um, you know, which isn't that hard to do against Duncan and Warsawski, but, you know, he he doesn't appear to be that great himself. So, Um, I, I, you know, I I think they're going to use him as an emergency guy, um, kind of like they were thinking of with Miranov, and now they don't have to turn to that. I don't know if Mark Alt is any better than Miranov, but there's a chance. Um, 
But I think, you know, it's, it's easy enough to ride Duncan and Warsawski the way they've been playing the last few games. I wonder what plan B would have been if he wasn't available on waivers or if someone else took him. That's Johnny would do it. Yeah, we were, we were speculating today that maybe <clears throat> maybe when uh, Philadelphia put their waiver claim in on Oduya, they might have talked with the Avs and informed them they were going to do that. And that would that might have been plan A for the Avalanche. And Philadelphia graciously suggested that they take a look at Mark Alt instead. Graciously? Um, yeah, it's Isn't graciously that, for them. Uh, sort of. I mean, they're like, <laughs> hey, since we're getting the guy you actually want, then maybe you want this bad guy we don't want. Yeah. Eh. And eh. It, it, maybe. Hmm. Oh, thank you for taking him off our hands. Yeah, I don't think a ton of Johnny O do you, but you know he's obviously going to be heads head and shoulders above Mark Alt. Um, so I, I guess the upside of that is that they might have re-signed O do you, and they probably won't with Mark Alt. So yay. Hold your probably. <laughs> Happened. We like our plugs. <laughs> I mean, if we're looking at the good news, we could have <laughs> given up a third round pick for Ian Cole, and we didn't do that. So yeah. So I said yes. I I'm a little scared of what Plan B was going to be because I think they did need to add one defense, and obviously Lindholm not being completely dead helps their depth there, but. It does seem like the objective of the day was to add a defenseman. Yeah, they're, and they're kind of in a spot, and we didn't talk about this, but today was the day that if you're going to be playing for an AHL team, you need to be on their roster at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And they, the Avs, they and they, and the Avs did. Miro. Yeah, they sent Miro down on Saturday night, so he is, you know, he he is eligible for the AHL for the rest of the season. Um, and they also did that with David Warsawski and. Dominic Toninato, um, as far as the rampage goes, they also did it for Andrew Hammond to what we think is Belleville and and maybe San Antonio too, but that that could be a little bit of a clerical error. Um, but that means that Duncan Siemens and <clears throat> the aforementioned Mark Alt are not eligible to play for the rampage, so they will be on the roster until further notice. So Miranov had already been sent down, so the Avs had six defensemen. So one way or another, they were going to add another. Yeah, and we were hoping that maybe Barbario or or Lindy would have been healthy enough to come back, and that's not the case yet, at least. So yeah, so I I really wonder what what else they would have done to bring that seventh in, but obviously we have the answer, and we don't need to worry about what else. Just... Uh, they could have really signed curious. a uh, an Olympic bronze medalist instead. Yeah, they could have. Yeah. I don't know. Calgary's two-year deal kind of beats anything the Avs would have offered, I think. <laughs> Thank you, Calgary. There's, there's others out there. Love you. Yeah. Stollery, Elliot. This goes on and on. Yeah, Chris Kelly signed with Anaheim. Um, you know, there, there were options there. Noro. Um, he was even Noro. on the All-Star team. <laughs> right-handed. Oh. 
Yeah, but I, you know, the, the best thing is they didn't spend anything today. Yes. Yeah, they didn't no how, with that. Yeah. The store was open, but they said no and walked right past, and, and that's that's not doing any harm to the club, so thank heavens for small favors. Yeah, first do no harm is about as far as Joe made it today. <laughs> yeah. But that's an important rule to keep in mind when you remember things like trading for, uh, all what's his name? Michael Bodker. They didn't, they didn't throw away futures on or six Wilson. weeks of a dude. Eric Jelena. Brett Obera. Yeah. Brad I mean, Stewart. Yeah. Of course, some of yeah. these are not deadline deals, so. I mean, the bottom line is, yeah, I, I can't be mad that they didn't do something which could have involved spending. I'm not necessarily mad they didn't get anything. It's just a reminder of these things are not easy and to get picks and it's certainly easy to waste them and so it should be a reminder that just because they got three picks in the Duchesne deal does not mean it was a windfall that's probably going to be what they are working with for the next good while as far as extra picks go so they should not yeah, waste them I mean given what we saw today it you know, people were throwing some picks around, but it, it it looks very targeted. And if you're not the guy that they want to target, then it's not something you can just sort of say, hey, you know, take this guy for a fourth or a fifth or whatever. Um, it it seems like... Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just I'm saying GMs just are... They, they look like they're fairly choosy about what they're going to spend picks on these days, so... Um, yeah, like Pat Maroon. You know, I and a lot of those picks are coming with a lot of strings attached to them these days. Yeah. They're not always going to be straight out. This is a pick in this round for this year. A lot of them are coming with these weird combinations to them. Yeah, like re-signing with the Kings and the Kings winning the Cup. Right. Um, we, we, we've experienced that, and that, that seems to be another trend. Um, you know, it, it's tough getting picks for guys. I'm not letting them off the hook. I really think that they should have and could have probably made a deal if they had wanted to bad enough um but it's I, I don't think it's the end of the world that they didn't um no it's not and and we know that's how they operate it's just yeah. it's just that much more important that they don't waste picks period even fourths anything they if they're not bringing them in every deadline then you can't just spend them whenever you need depth you have to yeah. keep them and use them. Period. Is there a word that means like disappointed and frustrated at the same time? <laughs> Mark Alt? Okay. <laughs> then I like Heckhole am Mark Alt. <laughs> like, because mad isn't right. Like, I'm not. It, it's not like they did something stupid. They just didn't do anything smart either. Yeah, they I, did nothing. I it's think I'm second. a little bit less forgiving than for sure that yeah. we didn't move at least one thing pick because I know it was a really slow day, but at the end, right down to the wire, you started to see those type of trades come in. Mike Riley for a fifth, Nick Shore for a seventh. If you wanted to get a pick at the end, you could have. You didn't even have to wait till the end. Brandon Davidson got a third. Yeah. Uh, maybe just because I didn't expect it, I'm more I'm more scared about them wasting stuff. I just, I'm just uh, I, I, I worry more about 
the fact that they had people that really don't fit in the lineup and they were fine with keeping them there and not trying to trade them or just not going ahead and trading them for anything. Yeah, they didn't care about making roster space. Um, I don't know. I expect kind of nothing. It's just, I don't want to hear for like six months that this guy's going to get a second round pick. Like, it, this is the avalanche. It doesn't happen. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and dive straight into it then. A question from that Dylan guy. Why haven't the Avs traded anyone? So if, if this is what you expected, why is this what you expected? They like their guys. I mean, they like the status quo. They like, they think the team's competitive. They don't want to break it up. They think it's fine. They don't want to add to it. They don't want to add guys from San Antonio to it. They don't care if Greer finishes the year with San Antonio. They probably know what he can and can't do. I, I don't know. They just, they seem to like the status quo. That's not good enough, though, is it? I mean, they like our guys to finish outside the playoffs. And, you know, if there was almost a case. You could almost make a case for it if EJ is healthy and this team just gets dragged on McKinnon, EJ's, and their goalies' backs to, like, maybe the playoffs. But with, at the second EJ gets hurt, that excuse is gone. You can't like this team to finish 10th place and not try and do something to make it better. Yeah. I mean, I and wouldn't that... say it's okay either. I, I think if you're not making the playoffs, what I said earlier was, at minimum, you should be adding an, an extra top 100 pick. If, if you're not, like, a contender level, and no, they're not a con- contender, <laughs> despite what maybe someone's loose definition of contender means, but, um, yeah, you should be adding, you should be adding picks every year, but is it what I expect? Am I disappointed because they did what I expected? I, I don't know if disappointed is the right word. I just feel like uh, obviously this is what they do. Well, I, I just look back it. at last year and, you know, I see a little bit of last year and this year in the fact that, um, I mean, what they should really be doing now is, is sort of preparing for next year. And part of that is getting rid of things you don't need. <clears throat> Seeing, you know, if if you just, you know, if, if they marketed the shit out of Colin Wilson or or something like that and couldn't get anything, fine, you know. But you really need to try and make some holes in the lineup and get some guys that are going to be in the plan next year some time. Um, I don't want to call it garbage time because I think they're still a pretty competitive team for what they are. Um, and- but But it should be important to get guys you know, like Greer up from San Antonio and give them a little time for the rest of the year and having Yakupov and uh, Colin Wilson in the lineup. You know, I, I don't know what that really accomplishes. You're just sort of continuing what you've done all year, which has gotten you close to the playoffs, but you know, who cares? But I just think and- they don't care. They don't see development that way. They don't see asset building that way. They just. It's you can't shake the feeling that, they don't try hard enough to move a guy, right? I mean, we're yeah. not in the room. We don't know for sure. We've seen some interviews with Sackick in the past where he talks about it's a lot of sitting around next to them. But it just seems like Sackick isn't really a car salesman. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I've, I don't I've think seen... you can convince people to take things they don't want. 
Oh, um, I absolutely it, think you can sell. I mean, sure, you're not going to sell a bag of garbage, but there's a lot of similar guys on the market that basically do the same thing. And sure, one one team's guys tend to move and one team's guys tend to not. Yeah, and I think, I think that goes back to the selling. <laughs> I, I just I think it goes back to that the the Avalanche and and Joe are are not the most uh, connected franchise as far as the old boys network of the GMs and and front office people around the league and I, I mean I you know that is what it is I mean sure that could be part know. of it too yeah I mean they could you know it'd be nice if they picked up someone who was you know a real connected genius kind of guy. That, that had connections in a lot of the other front offices. And I think that's how a lot of trades get done is, you know, especially the, you know, the marginal player for a fifth type deals get done between guys that have been doing it for 10 and 15, 20 years with each other. Um, you know, I think if you have a guy like that, it, it becomes a lot easier to get rid of guys at the deadline. And, and that's something the abs just don't have. They have made quite a few deals with, with teams though. I mean, yeah, they have a couple teams that they're really well connected with, and they've done a lot of trades with. Obviously, the connections with Columbus are there, and they, you know, they seem to have some good connections in the Arizona front office and a few other teams. But you know, you notice a lot of the trades today. It's it's a lot of the same old people making trades with each other, and it's it's you know, it's obviously an old boys network, and you kind of need to be connected with that um, a little better than than perhaps the Avalanche are. So an, another possible explainer is uh, injuries. Because the Avalanche are missing a lot of key pieces, and and one of them being Mark Barbario. He may have been a target for rental if if Nick Holden could could bring back what was it a third I think. Let me scroll down this wonderful list that Rudo's been compiling. Yeah, what was a third for Holden? Twenty eighteen third and Rob Ogara, who is a collection of letters that I've never seen in that order before. But a third round pick on the yeah. defensive side, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Barb's they, definitely could have brought something back. They, hey. they wouldn't have moved him though. I mean, they lean on nope. him. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> Avs prospect trade. Hey, we got a deal. The Avs what? didn't do nothing. We kept the streak, boys. Oh, nice. God. So, who is Ryan Graves from? AJ, we need a team. I don't know that name. I, who moved? I got elite prospects. Hang on. Draw. Wow, must breaking must be news. Tampa. No, he's Ranger. a defenseman from the Rangers. Is it Adam Graves' son? No. <laughs> Fourth round pick in 2013, Ryan Graves. This is his Same third thing, year man. in the AHL. Yeah, he looks a lot like Big Rob, but he's big, six five, two sixteen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> His name is... That's not nearly as fun to say as Mark Alt. <laughs> no, it's not. But he's bigger than Mark Alt. <laughs> 11 <laughs> points this year. Nice. Oh, wait. I've heard of... Is, I think it might even be Greaves. But, um... No, it's not Greaves. Ryan it's not Graves. Greaves? It's Graves. Listen yeah. closely. <laughs> hey, he played in the queue. That's nice. <laughs> He wore a letter for the Wolfpack this year, so there's your veteran leadership. Oh, boy. Yeah, so well, this is the Cameron Gaunt's for Tomas Vinsor deal. Yeah. Pretty much. This is, we're ready to move on from this player, and you're ready to move on from that player. Let's see if there's a fit. Probably won't be. 
Hmm, that's pretty impressive. Um, just that it, you know, they, they don't... <clears throat> Took two hours for the trade call, huh? Yeah. Right? They really didn't seem like they were going to do anything this year, and they kept their 15-year streak alive. It's now 16. Like, there's a reason that we waited to do the show until this time of the day. We waited for everything <laughs> to calm down. <laughs> and you dropped this shit on us now. I hate this shit. Oh. Ryan Greaves is an I, RFA. Looks like I got this, the... Looks like a qualifying offer would be about a mil. Or about, actually, less than a mil. He is 22. Uh, how yeah, old is Beaker? The... the same. I thought Big Girl was a couple years older than that. Let's see. He's 11 points in 57 games this year, 62 points in 207 career AHL contests, all with Hartford. Yeah, Aardvark's right. At least I dropped it during the podcast instead of as soon as we were finished. We did not get the. He's a Maritimer. Oh. He's from Yarmouth. All right, so do we care much about this deal? I mean, it obviously it means the end of the era of the imaginary awesomeness of Chris Begras. He played with Big Sam Henley. Um, you know, I I think if you know, obviously they're ready to move on from Begras, and you know, this is the kind of thing that you want to see. Just instead of you know keeping him around just because well you have your his rights even though you don't really care about him anymore is dumb uh, if you're going to move on from someone move on and you know get another guy back you give a tryout to for the rest of the season i mean let's be real for- though the Avs still picked up mark alt so where is this guy really going he's going to go to the the rampage right and he's going to he's going to take bigra's spot it's like yeah. for like it's you know it seems like this guy's a defensive defenseman. I still think Bigra had some upside, but you know, when you near the end of the ELC, that's kind of decision time. I mean, if they were actually going to get something for him, they should have made this decision earlier. And now I don't know if there were offers for him or not. Supposedly, there what there has been interest out there for him. Yeah, we Just, heard there had been interest from Tampa. I don't know about it. It just seems else. like just a waste. One. Yeah. It just maybe they'll bring this guy back, maybe not. I mean, we'll see, but it's I mean, he's just got just like, as good a chance to come back as Bigra did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just seems like kind of a waste pretty much. It is it, it's it's what it is. It's an AHL says it's a triple A guy swap. A trade to keep the streak of trades going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making making a trade for the sake of making a trade. Yeah. Right, and you're using a guy that was, what, 32nd overall for that? It's oh. just... I mean, it, I, you know, he is what he is now. They both are. I mean, I just, I, I don't think you can take pedigree into it when you're trying to think about whether you should keep a guy around or not. No, I, I give this trade a perfect 5 out of 7. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you're right, like... It, keeping Big Rod, did it really matter that much at this point? No. Getting this guy is about the same. <laughs> yeah. And he's bigger. I still think Big Rod has upside, but you know, is are the Rangers going to get that out of him? Who knows? But I think it's possible that they could get a lot more out of him than we're going to get out of this guy. Yeah, I mean, he'll play in it's the Easy East for the rest of the season, get some more points. He'll probably look pretty good in Hartford. Even though they're not a very good team. 
It's well, just really disappointing. Actually, I mean, I don't have an issue with the move. Like, I get it. But it's just, it's really, really disappointing. It's very disappointing. Rangers, 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 there you are on the list. I don't think it's like a meh, who cares move. Like, it's an extreme disappointing kind of thing. Man, Cat Friendly is on it. They've already got their roster updated. <laughs> like, I'm when you look at what's going at on the, uh... in San Antonio right now, and then you can't look at this B-Rod trade and just be like, eh, whatever. <laughs> you can't. Okay, explain. What's like going I on just... in San Antonio? <laughs> uh, the complete lack of development to their top prospects. So then we bring in this Graves guy who's got development in another system. Oh, He's I got mean, a step ahead. I'm sure that guy is what he is at this point too. I'm, I'm trolling you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The big difference is Big Rug got a legitimate shot in the NHL this year. He totally bombed it. We've covered that before. We don't need to rehash it. But <laughs> this guy has not been seen at the NHL level. Gerard. He would have still been in the NHL if they hadn't traded for Gerard. Would he, though? Yeah. I beg to differ. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Anyone else? Lindholm would be the regular like he is already and might have gotten a chance or heaven forbid they'd probably have played Warsawski for 40 games. Yeah. They were done with him. I just I, I mean I, I hate it for Chris just cuz I know that he's got talent but it just it, there's for some reason he just wasn't able to put it together when he needed to for in a, in a consistent manner. I wonder if Big Rod gets a chance with the Rangers cuz I'm just kind of looking at um at their defense on cap friendly and they've got seven uh, defenders on their NHL roster right now with Shattenkirk and Stephen Camper both on IR. Um, and four of those, scratch that, five of those are on ELCs. So, yeah. like, have they already used well, their call-ups or maybe maybe B-Gry is one of them and gets a shot with the Rangers or... Well, now that legendary defenseman Nick Holden is no longer in the lineup, maybe there's a chance. And McDonough? Yeah. yeah. It could be a good shot for him. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I I hate to say that Alan Vigneault reminds me a little bit of Eric Veilleau, but they're they're a little more similar than, than we'd probably like to see, at least from our viewpoint. Um. But, you know, he's going to be RFA if they don't qualify him. He'll set sail on the UFA market this summer, and, and maybe he ends up somewhere where someone's been watching him for a while, and <clears throat> they can take advantage of, of what he's got. But And uh, we can talk about the, the failed development of Chris Bigra in the system, and, you know, maybe hopefully he can go down as a mark, but it's too late for him at this point, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Obviously, but there's other guys it's not too late for. So maybe we should get our shit together. Maybe. Thought. Maybe not uh, waste an entire year of, yay, we tried to once replace Billington. That's good enough. Let's just waste a whole nother year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as, as we kind of suspected at the beginning of the year, it's been kind of tough down there in San Antonio most of the year. 
lot of people like to blame the blues for that. I, I think their effect was marginal at best. Um, they're an I, excuse. I, is pretty much they're, they're a good excuse, yeah. But, um, you know, they just the, the effort to develop and, and play the young players in San Antonio wasn't there from the Avalanche. And, uh, and there you have it. So that's not really a sell. That's not a buy. It's not even really an NHL level trade. It's just an AHL swap. So I take back none of the words I said about the Avalanche making no trades. It's a hockey trade. Technically. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I, I was hoping for a similar deal for Rocco. Um, and he apparently was injured last week and then wasn't able to travel with the team over the weekend. Injuries have just destroyed the Avalanche this deadline. I mean, it's it's even hard. Yeah. Like, you've got to think it's hard for the front office to justify, like, even though this there's, the Avalanche aren't making the playoffs this year, barring a miracle, um, you you got to imagine that it's hard for them to sell on a guy like, Co- like Como or Soderberg when they still have injuries to, you know, Sven Andrigetto, and, like, they are already hurting they the have, forward depth. They have plenty of forwards, though. They could absorb moving out one forward like the defense side i get it even though i don't think barbaria was ever moving but they have the forwards like moving out one forward just means you're playing greer like that's not a catastrophe yeah i think they could have absorbed a forward trade easily it is if you don't trust greer and think you're still trying to make the playoffs i don't think he's worse than some of the guys they're dressing (laughs) I mean, you still don't have room every night for Bowden to play in the AHL. And we're in, what, near March here? And we still haven't figured out a way for him to play regularly. Like, they have forwards up the wazoo. That's Um, not really a reason for them not to have moved a forward out. I'm not arguing that I agree with the reason. I'm just trying to answer the question, why haven't the Avs traded anyone? Yeah. Because they don't want to. (laughs) So that's... I, I'm glad that we got the opportunity to talk about that question. I'm frustrated that news broke in the middle of it. <laughs> but uh, Well, the tough thing about... One last thing about Rocco is he's going to be a, a Group 6 free agent this summer. So they're not... It's it's not something like they could sign him again and then trade him next year for uh, another prospect. It's like he's just going to leave and... You know, they basically traded a second for Reto for Rocco and got nothing out of it. Um, thus endeth the Reto Berra trade tree. What market did you think there was going to be for Rocco? I mean, it's no, just another guy. You know, another you know, another like for like. Maybe he, you know, maybe someone that fits a little bit better with the organization or something like that. Maybe an RFA that they keep around and can help out down in Colorado next year. I mean, nothing, nothing awesome, but it's just you know now they have to replace Rocco next year. I bet they can do that. Yeah, but it's just they they you know With if he was an RFA they they yeah it's like you're you're gonna have to go shopping for some plug. Not that Rocco isn't really a plug, but you know Rocco Rocco does a lot more than your average AHL plug is gonna do for you. So it's and, just it, it you, every time you lose somebody, you have to replace them from somewhere. Even though it's easy to do on the market, it's you know it's it's not as desirable for sure. And let's not forget, the only reason we have any forward depth is because we knocked it out of the park with two NCAA UFAs. <laughs> like, Yeah. If it weren't for those two, Greer would probably be up every night and we would legitimately have Bodan as the only prospect in the system. 
as a forward. Yeah. Well, maybe. He'd be playing, though. <laughs> There's that. So let's uh, let's go ahead and ask the next question, which is from Forsberger. Um, after signaling a change in philosophy, younger, faster, and some legitimate players that could be moved to the deadline for future assets, is it considered, I'm going to edit that a little bit, is it considered a major failure that the Avs didn't manage to sell a single player? Yes. Yep. Is sure, a, yeah. Is that a unanimous yes? We haven't heard a word from Vlad in a while. I would say it's it's a failure. I wouldn't say it's a major failure. I would say it's a major failure only because we didn't get anything. Like, even if we had gotten a 20-year-old AHL prospect with upside, that would have been something that we can use in the system. We got nothing. If we'd gotten a 2027th, that's something. Yeah. I mean, again, just like I was saying, every time you lose somebody, you have to replace them. And, you know, if you have tons of draft stock, then it becomes easy to do that. You just sort of bring people up through the system. But uh, that's that's not the point at which the Avs organization is right now. It's like when they lose someone, they have to probably go out on the free agent market and replace them. And, you know, that's just not optimum. Um, and, and, and to avoid that problem, you need to either bring in a prospect. Like, I'd be fine trading any of the Avs players that aren't going to be around in the, in the long term, you know, for, for a prospect instead of a pick. You know, that'd be fine. Um, but it's just losing guys and then having to replace them externally. Uh, it just it, it doesn't make for a real cohesive organization at all. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to be upset about about how this deadline has played out for the Avs. I mean, sure, we would have liked to have seen some of the low-hanging fruit go like Gomo, but at this point, I mean, it's not where we were last, last season, thank goodness, but we're getting to see development out of some of the younger kids, which is one thing, but at this point, getting getting more picks, sure, we would all love that, but where we are right now, like you said, Earl, we gotta re- if you give out someone, you got to replace them somehow. Yeah. So, well, these guys are going to be UFA. I mean, I don't know. Would, would I characterize it as a complete failure? I mean, like I said earlier, my expectations weren't high, so I don't feel like, like, in that way, where I was just where I feel like, oh no, why haven't they done anything? Like, they pretty much told me that I pretty much have a pretty good read on the way that they operate. Like, I feel like, yeah, I'm right. I don't feel like it's a failure. I just feel like it doesn't change my mind how they've changed or how they have a different vision or how they operate differently or this sort of bizarre narrative that the front office has changed. It's just, this is the way they operate. So it's not a failure, but it's, it's not like, it's not always about, today and what they did today or not they never bring in picks they never sell they just let guys go on the market that's what they do it does feel like we've been stockholm syndromed a bit (laughs) like (laughs) i get to go watch the eagles pretty regular the echl colorado eagles and if that's the highest level of hockey you get to see if that's the best as it gets for you you don't even know that they're terrible. 
and to be fair, the Eagles are a great team in the ECHL, but any AHL team would totally destroy them. It wouldn't be fair. And that's what it feels like with the Avs is we continually deadline after deadline. We sell away when we shouldn't be selling. We don't do anything when we should be buying or whatever. I messed that up, but you know what I'm trying to say. And we've reached the point where after a 48-point season, just not being the worst team in the league is the bar we've set for ourselves, and that's not good enough. Yeah. You'll have to forgive some slips of the tongue here on this show. We've been talking for a while. Yeah, I've been up since 6 a.m. listening to this nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Right, which which is why this whole, like, yay, we're not terrible. Like, there's actually competitive reason to watch the games is like just such a an accomplishment which i think is bizarre it's that's how it should be all the time (laughs) it's not an accomplishment to be competitive improvements and accomplishment over what last year was but this this conversation is kind of leading this to uh to nathan chapman's question i was gonna keep us moving here sorry to to kind of chop that off but we got to keep moving um so that question is, will Sackick ever have a good trade deadline? And I would reword that to the way that Joe Sackick seems to work with trading players. Like, do we think the trade deadline is something he's usually built for? Because he seems to move very slowly when he does anything. This deadline is not unlike all their other ones, other than the insane buying part. But take that out. It's pretty similar to what the Avs tend to do. You know that they're going to make kind of an AHL move. You know that they're not going to sell any UFAs. And it's either a year or not a year where they make some stupid buying move. So this is this is what the Avs do. I don't think it's Sackick himself. I think it's what all the others around him are used to. This is what the Avalanche do. Yeah, I'd characterize, I'd characterize this deadline is sort of missed opportunity more than a failure. Um, they just seem to be, fair. yeah, they, they seem to be a little cavalier about missing opportunities and, you know, it, it's aggravating. Um, and, and, you know, I'm glad they didn't do any harm to the, the franchise. Um, you know, it's it just, it, it does become tough after a while to see like, you know, this, this probably could have happened even, you know, Let's say take your three favorite moves they could have made at this deadline. They probably could have made one. Um, you know, maybe they weren't interested in that, and I, I think they should be interested in that. And I, I just think the the lack of interest in missing opportunities just makes them a little worse than they need to be. Right, and it's it's the whole of Sakic's career that at the deadline, right? If Sakic had managed to move Tootin last deadline and this deadline, you know, it just didn't work out and he couldn't get anything done. All right, you'd be more lenient. But year after year after year, we see the same thing and it just gets old. Especially since this year, the at least from our perspective, the assets are better. Like, last year we're trying to, to sell in a bunch of guys who are not on NHL rosters this year, but do you, right. I mean, Blake Como is going to play in the NHL next year. We gave them a pass last year because we knew they'd be better and they could get it done this year. And now they've failed to do it this year. Are we going to give them a pass again? And then what if they fail next year? You can't just keep giving it away. Right. Every year there's an excuse. This year it's going to be injuries. Last year it was the team was too terrible. The year before that it was the market. It just goes on and on. 
And also, you get the feeling that they might be a little complacent with the way the portfolio looks right now. Like, you know, they got a lot of picks for Duchesne. I mean, when you sell a core player, you should get a lot of picks. And they did. Um, you know, I, I look at it, what the, the draft portfolio looks like for the next two years, and I'm pretty happy about it. But, you know, you can't look at that and, and be ha- be totally satisfied with it and say, like, well, you know, it's like add another third or fourth year, and this is looking really good now. Um, and, it, you know, I don't know if that's their mindset or not, but it, it, you can't help but think that's part of it. Yeah, now they have one extra pick in this draft, which is nice, but then you can't touch it. You can't do any, you have nothing extra to go out and get something with. You You have to use these extra picks now because you're not getting any others. We, we right. were going to get like, Ottawa's, and then they went full 18-wheeler. Well, they already used one next year, so... Right. Like, Montreal has four second-round picks in this draft, right? Yes. So Right, like it's that... amazing how that happens to other teams. And so you <laughs> built that up. How did then... they do this? It's amazing! It is! <laughs> and when you want to make a move, if you have that many assets, you can make that move. Instead of the yeah. ass being like, well, if we make a move, we no longer have a second-round pick in this draft, I guess. Yeah, if you have four seconds, you can just blow one on hats if you want to. I mean, it's... <laughs> right? You can you can do anything. Then you can you can buy guys in the off season. You can move up in the draft. You can do all kinds of things when you have extra picks. It's not like you're just getting some shitty CHL player that's never going to see the NHL. If you have a bunch of low, like six, sevens, or whatever, you can use those on Russians and keep their rights forever. Like Kaprasov, you know, like use a couple extra picks on guys like that. Like there's all kinds of things that you could do with having picks. It's like having money. It means freedom. It means options. It means you can do stuff with these picks. It doesn't just mean getting a bunch of guys that will never see the NHL. But to answer Nathan's, or just to answer Nathan's question, I, you know, I I don't know what it's going to take to have a good deadline for Joe Sackick, but we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and, and just to kind of put a bow on it, the the deadline isn't the only thing that makes you a good or a bad GM. Because, um, like, we, we've seen, for example, the, the, the solid move made for Matt Duchesne earlier this season. Like, that all is part of this season, but the trade deadline is an important piece of it. It's not all yeah. of it, but it matters. You, you um, can make up for it other ways, right. and... I, I no. think it would just have to take a true front office cleaning for them to get different philosophies. Yeah, like I mean, you, you, have, you have to be more. Yeah, you have to be more into asset management. When I, I don't like strict asset management type thinking, um, but you just ha- you have to have someone in there that's a voice that's saying like, "Look, we could do this," and. You know, maybe it's a silly deal where you only get a sixth out of someone that maybe you could, you know, is worth more than a sixth to you. But you just sort of need that voice in the room that's not agreeing with everybody. So let's go ahead and move away from questions because the rest of the ones that I've kind of picked out are future looking. Um, So let's go ahead and look at some of the deals that were done this weekend and today And I want to start in Pittsburgh um, because I think that the Penguins were one of the most likely landing points for Blake Como. And this deal may have been part of the shutting down of that market. 
Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins traded for Derek Bassard, Vincent Dunn, and a 2018 third from Ottawa. In exchange for Ian Cole, Philip Gustafson, and a 2018 first and a 2019 third, which was a deal that went through the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Penguins received Tobias Lindholm from Vegas, for, and Vegas got Ryan Reeves and a 2018 fourth while retaining some salary. So it's a it's it's a yellow win now move. I mean, if you're the Penguins, you may as well. Yeah, it's um, it's a big complicated deal. Um, yeah, and I really think that took them out of contention for Blake Como, and they probably would have been like the most likely point for him to to end up. Well, yeah, I agree. I think it set the tone for deadline day as well too because you see these other deals come out that are not exact clones but similar types of things for players like Stasny you know multiple picks a whole bunch of complicated stuff going on and it's it's like the teams decided that targeting the more expensive player was the way to go if you're buying yeah uh yeah it's sort of a flight to quality thing in a lot Um, of cases and then there's cases that are like the exact opposite Right, yeah, like like Nick Shore for a seventh going to Calgary. <laughs> yeah, like Brandon Bolig for a sixth. Of course, there's a little bit more to that. Um, and those are the trades. I don't, you know, I, I know it would be nice to have that six, but I don't, I, I you know, I, I don't think that six are honestly that important. Um, I, I, you know, I think if the time and energy you spend on sixth round picks, if you have more than the allotment, it, it's sort of better spent scouting out maybe some free agents um, and going that route. But, um, you know, I, I like it for Pittsburgh. I think, you know, if you're trying, if you have the opportunity to be the first team to win three cups in a row since the Canadians in the seventies, then, or sorry, since the Islanders in the early eighties, um, you know, why not go for it? May as well. Yeah. So let's continue on up the list, unless anyone else has more thoughts on that one. I'm going to try to get through most of these pretty popcorn here. Uh, The Islanders um, traded for a third-round pick to the Edmonton Oilers for Brandon Davidson, um, which is kind of equates Brandon Davidson with Nick Holden, and that sounds about right to me. Um, That hurts because Barbario is hurt. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that one burned a little bit. Uh, the Rick Nash sweepstakes end up going to the Boston Bruins, who give up Ryan Spooner, Matt Gillespie, Ryan Lindgren, a 2018 first, and a 2019 seventh. I just want to add gonna... that 2019 seventh is hilarious. Yeah, I, I like that. That's such a cool touch. Um, I to, to put that together with what you'll mention soon about the Ryan McDonough trade, I, I really like what the Rangers have done over the past couple of days. And I hate saying that because I can't stand the Rangers, but the Rangers suck. Yeah. It seems like, you know, maybe a month ago they said, you know what? Um, this isn't working. And, you know, we we're, we're sort of a, at a breaking point here. If we, if we sell off a bunch of valuable stuff right now, not next year, not over the summer, um, we can do a really quick retool that's not going to kill us for more than this uh, playoff season. The Rangers and did exactly what the Patrick Wah abs weren't willing to do. Right. Exactly. Well, they started last summer, too, when they moved Stepan. And now they have Anderson and Heedle, who could probably play next year. 
Yeah. Um, They're already playing in the AHL, which is... And I, I, I think having Anderson is part of what said to them that, you know what, the window might might move off a few years, but if we, if we sort of... Uh, put the window out a few years right now and get rid of the older guys on the team. Uh, we could have something special in, in two to three years, and we don't have to even be re- that bad while doing it. Um, and they managed to get value for guys that that hadn't really, you know, lost that much. You know, it's like Ryan McDonough is a great player still. Rick Nash is is overrated, but he can still bring you a lot on the trade market. So they were pretty proactive and, and, and made the decision at the right time how to sort of remold their franchise uh, without sucking for many years. I and mean, yeah. you want to talk about asset management, we got a fourth for Nick Holden and they flipped him for a third and a prospect. Yeah. Yeah. And then another team that did similar today was the St. Louis Blues, which we'll get to. Yeah. But yeah, you got to admire that the Rangers have the guts to, to make those moves and some you, yeah, will say you, you look at that, you're like, the abs would never much. do that. I know. Did, did they sell <laughs> too much? Are they going to be terrible? Or, you know, but but at least they seem like they're sticking with what they said they were going to do. Right. And the Rangers have always been a really top-heavy franchise. And, and so this just this really goes away from their philosophy, um, you know, basically chronically over the last 20, 30 years. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a real sea change in their front office and, and it's not like they, they brought a whole bunch of new people and they just decided like, Hey, this is what's going on in the NHL. We need to get on board with how everyone else is thinking. And they just did it. Um, and they so have four it, years it's impressive. they didn't have a first and now yeah. I don't even know how many picks they have for this year. Yeah, I know. I, they're still counting them. I think. Yeah. Who's, who's this? <laughs> The Rangers. the Rangers. They have How many two firsts. They have? Two, in their own in Boston's. They have two seconds. Their own in New Jersey's. They have two thirds. Their own in Boston's. And they have one four, one five, one six, and no seventh. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and what do they have next year? They have all their own plus Boston seventh. Yeah. And a conditional so, first second from Tampa. Yeah, I was going to say they've got they've got some picks in there from Tampa. Maybe must must not be registering yet, but they've nah, you know it's hidden there. Oh, okay. Is it? It is for me. Uh, I mean, doesn't matter. I don't see it. Yeah. But what, whatever it is, they've they've got a ton of picks. They've got a great launching point, as well as sort of the younger players they have on the team that can carry them through until those guys are ready for the NHL. Yeah. While, while uh, we're talking about the Rangers, let's go ahead and and lay out the McDonough deal, which was Ryan McDonough and J.T. Miller to Tampa for Libor Hayek, Brett Howden, Vladislav Nemestikov, and a 2018 first and a 2019 second, which becomes a first if Tampa wins the cup in the next two years. Yeah, Hayek and Howden are good. Is, is good actually likely. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a bad gamble. I just think about that. I mean, in one trade deadline, the Rangers got as many top 100 picks as the Avs got from both the O'Reilly full-out retrading the second and the Duchesne trade combined. Yeah. Well, and and it wasn't four years apart. (laughs) (laughs) It was one day. The Avs are like getting paid like once every month or every two months, then having to live off of that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how, I I don't know how much 
you know, the, the front office looks at what other teams do in depth. You know, I'm sure they do <clears throat> in some way, but, uh, you know, that what the Rangers did over the past couple of days sort of shows you what you can accomplish if you're willing to take a, a little risk. Because if you look back in hindsight on these things, they usually don't end up being that risky. It's far more risky to stand pat. So using the Rangers as a, a template, Nash is out, JT Miller is out, Ryan McDonough is out. So the Avs comparable would have been who? Como, let's throw in what? Barry and pick any of the no. top six. It's too late. for. It was the template two years ago. It's yeah. too late now. Now we have to forge our own path. I think that's probably yeah. true. Yeah, because, I, I mean, and, and what they just did, that's going to prevent them from doing things like, you know, picking up expensive free agents this summer. You know, you'd hope so. You'd hope that that would be part of the plan. It's still the Rangers. Yeah. Um I don't think they can hold themselves back. I don't think they can picking resist. up short term is what it is. Yeah, I mean it's just they're they're not gonna plan for short term because they're they're what their window is gonna be is in about two to three years opening up. So you know, I could see them picking up sort of solid vets in the in the mid tier range for a couple of years or something like that. But you know, they're not gonna go out and try to sign Tavares or uh, you know, any any of the big ticket guys this summer, I don't think. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and move on um, the next few should go by pretty rapidly the Maple Leafs traded um, Renat Valiev, Kirby Reichel to the Montreal Canadiens for Thomas Placanek and Kyle Bond and um, Canadians retain half of Placanek's salary that's uh, a good deal for both sides that helps shore up Toronto's centers and uh, there's already talk about Montreal probably bringing Placanek's back in the off season, so was that the yeah. one where they traded a second? Yes, Placanics I mean, on for Valia of Reichel in a second. Yeah, there's the the perfect blueprint for what I wanted with Blake Como. Yes. <laughs> well, and and you know what that 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 should be the the blueprint for Carl Soderberg either next deadline or, or sometime in the next year or two. Yeah, Placanics yeah. probably think... a little better than Soderberg, but yeah. Sure, make the pick a third or whatever. There you go. (laughs) I don't think the Leafs should have bought. I, they're basically guaranteed a playoff spot. They're like twenty points up over the next team. I just, this would have been the perfect time for them to sell, especially a few of their vets, and pretty much not even hurt their standing at all. Like. When does a team have an opportunity where they're basically guaranteed a playoff spot? Like, never. I mean, I, th- I, think, they're, it's, I think they're trying to compete for a cup. Yeah, it's oh, not yeah. that big of a sell either. Like, yeah, obviously, second hurt, but those other two prospects were already buried in their system, so. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you, though, that, that they, you know, they have some dead weight on their roster, uh, the NHL roster, that they probably could have gotten rid of, and they've got enough in the Marlies that they could have... Uh, made do fairly well, right? But I, you know, I, <laughs> you have some old school people in that front office, like Lou, and then you know that's just Lou being Lou. So I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. No, probably them. not. But it's just yeah. I mean, but Kenneth is really good. He hasn't looked good in a couple of years, just because he's been in a and I mean organization that's troubled. 
there couldn't have been much of a market for anything they would be trying to offload either. Like, <laughs> oh, they like, find a way to voodoo sell something. Well, I mean, what, yeah, they're, they're gonna sell what? JVR? Polak. They're, they're not gonna get rid of Polak. They're the only team they that should. wants Polak. <laughs> so the Columbus Blue Jackets received Mark Letestu from the Edmonton Oilers for a fourth and Ponceberg, which is not a name I've ever heard before. Do we care? Go through all the go, go through all the jackets trades though, because I think that they go did the several moves. Okay. Yeah. So, so the Blue Jackets trade Ponceberg in a fourth to the Predators from. Mar- Wait a second. Hold on. Blue Jackets receive <laughs> that's, that's a three from way. the Oilers, who receive Aberg from the Predators for a fourth from Columbus. Okay. Yeah. NHL GMs, three ways may be hot. They aren't always necessary. Okay. Yeah, it was really unnecessary there. <laughs> Do you really need a three-way for a fourth-round pick? I think it's just showing off, really. <laughs> I'm not. So the Blue Jackets uh, traded a fourth for Mark Letestu. They traded a 2023rd and Nick Motry for Ian Cole from the Ottawa Senators. They traded Jordan Maletta and Carter Camper for Ryan Kujawinski from the Arizona Coyotes. That's an AHL deal. They traded Tyler Mott and Yusi Jokinen to the Vancouver Canucks for Thomas Vanek. And if we go back in time a little bit... Nope, that's still the end of the list. Yeah, I, I think this was pretty interesting because the, they've been pretty marginal this season. They would, you know, Without that 15-game winning streak they had last year... Um, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't a guaranteed playoff team really. And they sort this is sort of a, a win now series of moves. I don't think they really gave up that much, but it's just sort of interesting to see the mindset they had at this, uh, this deadline. I, I, I think they probably would have done better to sell. Yeah. I, I want to call this the Patrick Wah buy, but I'm pretty sure Tortorella has been doing it for longer. So <clears throat> yeah, uh, I, I think this was sort of not great management. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I like a lot of the guys that they have in Columbus. I think they could really use some more and, you know, it's kind of obvious that what they had in Cleveland really wasn't sort of doing it as far as replacing guys they needed up in, in uh, Columbus. So I think they would have done a lot better to sort of rethink how they were doing things and maybe do more of what the Rangers did. So are we ready to move on from that? Sure. All right. So that's the Columbus list. Um, the, the Nashville Predators traded um, a 2018 sixth to San Jose for Brandon Bullock and Troy Grosnick, who uh, we know who Brandon Bullock is, and Troy Grosnick we don't. Third string goalie. Third string goalie. There you go. Fourth string goalie. The National Predators also traded a 2018 first, a 2018 fourth, and Victor Edgesell to Chicago for Ryan Hartman and a 2018 fifth. So that's a fourth for a fifth, and then, like, why bother? And a first for Hartman. And then a first and a prospect for Hartman. Yeah, I like I, the idea of that trade. Yeah. <laughs> I do, but it does feel pricey. 
Yeah, it does. I guess compared to the Tatar trade, it doesn't feel pricey at all. <laughs> so. That's true. Which we'll get to, we'll get to that. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets traded for Paul Snasny, old friend of the show, of course, from St. Louis Blues. They'll get a 2018 first, a 2020 fourth, and Eric Foley. So if catastrophe happens and the Jets end up out of the playoffs and win the lottery, the 2018 first becomes a 2019 first. And if the Jets are not able to sign Foley, who is an NCAA player, so that's possible, then that's when they get the 2024th. They may not get the 2024th. And also, St. Louis retains half of Stastny's salary. And Stastny's UFA. That's a good move for... Yeah, yeah, he's UFA. This is contract year. He had a full full no no move, so he was in total control of it. Uh, I see this as a good trade for both teams. You can see that Winnipeg wants to make a push. This tells me that uh, before things went uh, south in St. Louis, that uh, and uh, J.P. Rutherford of, of of the Atlantic had said that they had no plans to trade him, and then things went south, and off he went. But I, th- to... I think I read somewhere that they, from the other side, that they were working on it for quite a while. I think St. Louis understands that you can still trade a guy and remain competitive and I don't I don't think it's waving the white flag. I think um, they knew that this was going to be a possibility all along. Well, they're only one point out of a playoff spot. Um, yeah, but they used to be like tops in the division. Yeah, but I mean, it's just that they've been slumping lately. I mean, their last 10, they're 3-6 and 1. That's not great. Yeah, when they start winning again, when you're yeah, staring they... down the barrel of Winnipeg and Nashville, both in your division, like it's just a smart move, right? It's like you, you may well, make I mean... a, you may make the playoffs, but that's about all you're making. Yeah, but yeah, a couple weeks ago they were talking Boston. about trying to re-sign Stastny too, and that's I, I don't think that would have been a yeah, I don't think that would have been a good move for them, honestly, because I think they have enough young talent, uh, both in their system and in their amateur system, that they you know. I think it would be smart for them. I, I know some of their def- uh, defense is getting a little up there in age, um, and that's their strong point, but I think a lot of their scoring is very young, so I, they're trying to manage that. I just I don't think they had a good window right now. Um, you, know, you could say they might have you know they might have benefited actually from from selling someone else, and there was rumors that Bowmeister might have been on the block. Um, but no I, you know, of course. yeah, exactly. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think they should try to get younger because whatever they're doing isn't working. Um, you know, at least this month it hasn't been working, um, and they've got some good stuff in the pipeline. So it, it seems like it'd be pretty smart. Yeah, and if this goes much longer for the Blues, you start getting into the conversation of wasting Tarasenko and Petrangelo. Right. Yeah, and that's you know, that that's that's the worry. But like um, the blue or like Toronto's supposed to think they can win a cup in the same division with Boston and Tampa. So I mean, I think they're capable of beating Boston. Tampa's a different story, though. They'd yeah. have to get a little lucky to beat Tampa, but it's not impossible. So all you I, have to do is believe. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Blues will. I don't think they're great. I I do think they've kind of lost something from. They're a bit stronger, but and Stastny will be a loss. Like he was a pretty big part of that team, but I think 
with some of the younger forwards they have and with everything else they have, I think they'll be fine. I think obviously when you're in a losing streak or a winning streak, things look a lot different than probably reality is. Yeah. I don't think they're as toast as, you know, it looks at the moment. Yeah. Uh, what What do you guys think of this does for Winnipeg? I, I really like it actually. Um, oh, because I love yeah, it. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Cause Stastny is the kind of player they really didn't have. Um, you it know, it'd be interesting to see the fit. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's not like anything that's really on the team now. And you know, that the line that was thrown out there right away was that he's going to be with the Ehlers in line a, which, you know, it's Ooh. like three completely different players, but, um, you don't want to line you know, the same guy though. Right. I, I think that could be a really interesting line. And, and, you know, Stastny's a really cerebral player. I think, you know, I think he's going to bring in a, a dynamic that the, the Jets really don't have. And it kind of makes them even scarier, I think. It's a good setup, man, for yeah. Patrick Laine. I, we It depends yeah. on how far Winnipeg goes in the playoffs. That first could be expensive. But if things go well for them and it drops into the mid-20s, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, think it, they did better with their first than what Nashville and Vegas did. So, Yeah. Um. And it, it, you know, it looks like we're sort of heading for perhaps uh, Winnipeg Nashville second round Ooh, collision. That's gonna be which, brutal. Yeah, that could be one of the best series of the the entire playoffs. Um, it, definitely in the West for sure. So, um, you know, it, it, I, I think it sets both Nashville and, and Winnipeg up for um, matching up very well in the playoffs. So a quick shout out to the chat. I want to uh, read and co-sign without comment from Randy. The most upsetting thing I've seen today is people spelling Timmons wrong. Come on, people. Most of you are better than that. The people people spelling it with, spell an with an O. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Why are we talking about Timmons today? <laughs> I have no We should have traded him. Duh. <laughs> it's almost March 1st. I mean. I also want to give a shout out to Heckhole and everyone around him at Home Depot as he's having trouble figuring out how to turn off the chat and has to go into the store. <laughs> Quick, someone play the Mark Alt sound clip. <laughs> Mark Alt. <laughs> That's pretty close. Uh, so where were we? Um, Vancouver traded Philip Holm to Vegas for Brandon for Brendan, sorry, Leipzig. Uh, okay. That's a trade. Yeah, that is a trade that happened. They definitely made Islanders a trade there. Traded Jason Chimera to the Anaheim Ducks for old friend Chris Wagner. Also, can't be too old if you're in Anaheim, you know. Nope. Why is it that everyone else can get value out of these waiver? It's magic. It, yeah. It's voodoo and wizardry, and no one really knows. Well, throw throw the other Vancouver trade in. What else they did with Leipzig? Right. Um, the other Vancouver trade is in here somewhere. They, they, they didn't the where they didn't get a pick. They did not get a pick for <laughs> Thomas Panic. Right, right, right. We <laughs> Everybody's gotten a pick for for the last ten years, and they couldn't do it. Right. They got Monty and or is it just Mott? I don't know. Now Mott and that other dude. Old man Yoken. <laughs> yeah, UC Yoken. Yeah. Um. The I, I mean I, I I can see that maybe Vanix. You know, good till date is past, way past, and maybe there just wasn't a pick out there. But I, 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 I find that kind of hard to believe. 
Um, just because he, he's just sort of like clockwork. He can just say like, yeah, you can get a third for Vanek, no problem. And, you know, like Mott's okay, but he's not that great. He's not really, you know, if he, <laughs> if he has NHL upside, it's not much. Um, so that that's interesting from them. And, in, and they're definitely with where they are in the standings and, and sort of in their rebuild cycle, they would definitely probably be wanting some picks there. Rampage Nate wants us to yell Leroy Jenkins for heckle. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, interesting day for Vancouver, for sure. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, we're playing them tonight. We are. So the next big deal of the day (laughs) was the Evander Kane sweepstakes, which was won by the San Jose Sharks. And that... (laughs) One. (laughs) It was won with a capital one by the San Jose Sharks. For Evander Kane, Buffalo get... A conditional 2019 first, a conditional, Very conditional. a conditional 2024th, and Daniel O'Regan. I don't have any idea what the condition on the fourth is, and it's not listed in Rudo's thread, so I don't know. Maybe it just never got announced. It came out really late, actually. I Did saw it? it earlier. It becomes a third if, like, something if they re-sign him or something. No, that's the first. I don't know. Yeah. The... It and becomes a third if something happens. The first becomes a second if the Sharks don't re-sign Kane. So. If San Jose are not able to re-sign Evander Kane, then they've rented him for a second, which is a whole lot more acceptable than a first for a rental. And yeah. LOL Buffalo. Yeah, uh, that's the LOL. Um, Buffalo. Y- you'd well. figure. Yeah, and and I, I'm I'm searching my mind. Is that the only deal they made? I think so. Yeah. So you know they're you know they they haven't had the greatest of seasons as we've we've Control. noticed many times. Um, so they've got one of one match. (laughs) Yeah. That's all they did. GG. So they're brand new GM, which is going to turn around the franchise from this awful string of luck they've had over the past 10 years. Um, got basically a second for Evander Kane because I'm pretty sure the sharks have no, um, desire to re-sign him. Well, Um, it's come out that they actually might now. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. and initially the thought was they had it was a pure rental, but now there's been rumblings that it's more than that. Well, you probably have to say that, or else the guy's probably not going to lay it down for you. True. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I would probably put it fairly low that they resign him. Um, Same. So that that that's sort of you know I, I we were in the same position last year, and. You know, it's it's tough being really bad and, and not being able to get the picks that you really need and, and only being able to make one trade and It still know, feels like a really weird trade from the Shark side though. Like does yeah. Vander came really make them a contender this year? <sighs> no, it doesn't push them above Nashville or Winnipeg. Yeah, I think I mean I think if you're just looking at the Pacific division, you're like, you know, if we get a guy that can score, then we're gonna be pretty safe, at least until the, the conference finals, because the Pacific's pretty bogus. Except for <laughs> Vegas. Or it could be that with the Vander Kane on board now, I don't know how long Joe Thornton's gonna be out, but this is to maybe offset some of that loss of Thornton being in the lineup or being out of the lineup. Yeah. It's offsetting with um, a totally different kind of player. Yeah, two maybe. very, very different players. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> like pure One's pretty shooty. Versus power forward. Yeah. 
one wears a tracksuit, one gets it thrown in the shower. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I I think that's interesting on 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 both sides, just because that's you know that's not a, a trade you really think of the sharks making, and and it's not it's not probably what Bo- Buffalo was hoping for um, for their deadline. Yeah, y'all y'all can say whatever you want about Evander Kane. He never got any chunks of his beard tore out by Nazem Kadri. That's true. <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins trade Greg McGeg for Josh Jurish from the Carolina Hurricanes, which is another trade that exists. Ultra mega injury depth. Um, interesting. The the Canes really weren't that active at the deadline either. Is Boy, that interesting? Wouldn't have, wouldn't have called that, you know. <laughs> what is interesting is the Vegas received Thomas Tatar from the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> Tatar goes from Detroit to to Vegas. From Detroit to Vegas in exchange for a 2018 first, a 2019 second, and a 2021 third. Oh, the third was 2021? Yes. Yeah. Wow. We're getting, that's awesome. We're, we're reaching CHL tier here with future picks. I, I think that's the first 2021. I think you're mistaken. right, yeah. Well. I mean, Detroit hit a home run here, though, right? Like, yeah. No, I think so. Sure. <laughs> Right, 2021 <laughs> still comes around, even though it's yeah. imaginary. Still comes. No, but I mean, I think I mean I'm sure Thomas Tatar is a, a wonderful player and everything, but that that's just a, a little too much for my blood. I felt uh, like Vegas was going to use that first to buy something, and it almost seemed like he was what know, was when left. You, when you go shopping <laughs> and you feel like you have to use a coupon, you have to buy yeah. something to use a coupon, <laughs> and then. You're just like, well, this is kind of the best I can find. Like, oh it just God. seemed like they were set okay. on using the first and the second, and that's what they could find. I I think Vegas had a really interesting deadline in, in that I think they, they really got smoked on two deals. Um, it seemed like both deals were set up specifically to hook up whoever they were trading with. <laughs> and and I, I mean, basically, the Penguins... Um, what did they get from Detroit in the... For Tatar? A first, second, and a third? No, in the expansion draft. Oh. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, the first deal is obviously they're doing Pittsburgh a favor. So, you know, if, if that has to do with Flurry, if that has to do with something else, I, I kind of get it, at least. I mean... But can we, we don't talk have a little understand. bit about what Detroit's doing, though? Can, yeah. Do you want to hear their draft cash for 2018? In the first round, they have their own and Las Vegas's. In the second round, they have their own and Ottawa's. Ha ha ha. In the third round, they have their own and Pittsburgh's. In the fourth round, they have their own and Philadelphia's. But... If the Flyers make the playoffs and Mrazek wins five regular season games, that's the Mrazek trade from, I think, last week. That Which becomes is a all third. a guarantee. Right. It, be- it becomes a third instead of a fourth. And if Philly nice. somehow make the conference finals and Mrazek wins six games all the way to the finals, that becomes a second. Huh. Well, I'd say Salon's doing some asset management is what I'd say. They don't have yeah. their fifth, but they do have their sixth as well as Montreal's sixth. 
And they either don't or may not have their seventh. And they could have traded Mike Green for something. I don't know why that never happened. They, um, yeah, they, Green has a no move or something. Right, they, yeah. They lose their seventh if Tom McCollum plays 20 minutes in 15 NHL games for Calgary. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> He's not even on Calgary right now. <laughs> so Detroit have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 picks this year. And next year they also have all of theirs, plus Vegas's second, Philadelphia's third if they re-sign Mrazek, and Buffalo's fifth. Huh. It's almost like you can take a team that's pretty shit, like Detroit, and get some stuff for them. Yeah, but what do you have yeah, left? Yeah, how that happens. They have They're some young be... tour guys left. Yeah, like I know. Anthony CU, Mantha. And your goalie situation is dire. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they can use one like those picks to draw some battles for Martin Burke. I mean, one could argue they need to have a fire sale. Maybe they sold what what they could sell, but yeah. it is impressive. Yeah, they've done some work over there. All I'm saying is, if you get a first, a second, and a third to Tar, and you can't even get anything for Blake Como. Well, um, Boston traded a fifth for Tommy Wingles, and that's huge. Like, where would you compare Tommy Wingles versus Blake Como? I mean, Blake Como's better for better, sure. Yeah. We've already talked about the Tampa side of the Ryan McDonough deal, so we don't need to do that again. There's Calgary trading a seventh for Nick Shore. That's a 19 seventh, so it's almost nothing. Um, the Winnipeg Jets traded a fourth to the Canadiens for Joe Morrow. Woohoo! Um, the Oilers traded Patrick Maroon to New Jersey for a third and J.D. Dudek. Which is not a name I made up, I promise. That's an interesting trade for Jersey just because they had the first pick in the draft this last summer. That you go... It it really (laughs) feels like Jersey's clinging to the dream that is just a lie. (laughs) Jersey may may have bought into the smell of their own farts a little bit. Um, Yeah, that's that's not a move I'd, I'd care to make. Is Maroon a free agent? Yep, he said yeah. he'd love to go back to Edmonton next year. <laughs> <laughs> and then so that's the, a pure rental. And then the Minnesota Wild deal Mike Riley to the Canadiens for a 2019 fifth. I'm not sure why Montreal are buying anything, but it is a 2019 fifth. Yeah, he's I don't prospect-ish. Know. I don't and, know if his waiver exemption's up, but and he's, that's the he's end not really he's not really young, but he's young for Montreal. Let's go click on Montreal and answer that question real quick before we move on, because that's the end of the trades. Who was the name I'm looking for? I forgot. Mike Riley. Mike Riley. He does not say waiver exempt on cap friendly. He is 24, so he probably will be next season. He's got two RFA years remaining, and he's 24. Yeah, probably not. Let's see what we got. Um, He's on his second deal. They have both had the same AAV, which is kind of funny. They're not the same deal at all. So anyway, that's the trades that were made today. It was like the slowest deadline day in like the past decade or something. I think actually once you add the abs trade in there, it it gets it up pretty high. (laughs) That one extra one did it? I think there ended up being 16 trades before 
I guess some of these later deals are, are trickling out. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was a uh, very dull until like the minute of the deadline, and then all of a sudden everything happened, and now here we are. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get back to uh, some of the questions from you guys, and shout out to everybody that's still listening to us for some reason, as we've crossed the hour mark a little while ago. Um, does anyone have off the top of your head, this is from Wings of Time, your favorite Avs trade, trade deadline move of all time? Oh, the Bodker trade for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and mute Earl. <laughs> I'm sure something um, from the glory years. Yeah, I was going to say it would have to be something from, you know, I, I don't think Flurry was a very good deal, but that was fun. Um, Does the midnight EJ trade count as, like, close enough? I know it was, like, ten days before the deadline, but... Yeah, that's that's a deadline deal to me. I don't know that it was, it was on ten days, but... 10, 15, 20, whatever. It was like late February it was, when it, it happened. Was close. It was within a week, I think. It was cold out. But it was I mean, February. When it comes to the best deal, I don't know, and we didn't really have a chance to like do the research for that. I think my favorite deal is going to be Adam Foote. Yeah. Just from a nostalgia point field. of view. Yeah. yeah. That was just a cool deal to see him just like rejoin the bench in the middle of the game and Kyle Kamiski's oh, just like, holy shit. Oh, 2008 <laughs> when we threw the first away. Yeah, and it was two firsts. How about the uh, ridiculous Rob Blake deal to win the 0-1 Cup? I've always hated that trade. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine with Detter and Aaron Miller. What about the Derek Morris trade to uh, the Coyotes? I don't even know what we got for that. A second round pick that turned into Paul Stastny and Chris Gratton. Oh, baby. Okay. So that's that's part of the uh, Eric Lindros trade tree then. Yeah. As is most of the Evs trades historically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all fair. That, that, that was back in the day when they could get a pick for somebody. So I'm going to combine a couple of questions here from DB Hammer and from our own C-Mill. Shout out C-Mill. Um, where do you see the Avs' next big move coming from positionally? Um, do they need to get anything done this offseason, like at the draft or in the summer? Um, and will trading Barry be a priority at the draft? Kind of all those things together. Um, and I think their next big move is probably going to be goaltending. We don't you know could they make a case for top issue. six winger. Yeah, or that. But that would be more of a signing, which I guess you would call a signing a summer deal. But it's not really a trade. Yeah. The next big thing they do is, is trading Barry whenever it happens. Yeah. And I don't yeah, think I that comes in the summer. I think, I, I think it could. I don't think it's a priority or anything. I, but if someone, I would say that someone, next summer is a lot more likely. Yeah. I mean, if someone's desperate to have him and, and gets a deal that, that really makes sense for the Avs, then maybe, maybe it happens. But Right, yeah. That's when they'll need to refill the pick. Hopper. <laughs> so they'll need to trade Barry. <laughs> so you're saying it's going to be a couple of years. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. What about Colin Wilson getting traded for a pick? Nope. Not going to happen. I mean, does that qualify as like a major deal? <laughs> I, I mean, imaginary I th- one. Just like the Blake Coleman. If it's top 100, that's not bad. 
Is yeah. Like Blake Como second. I would say that one's more likely for next deadline as well, rather than offseason. But so next big move positionally, then we've got nominations for goaltending, and we've got nominations for top six winger. Um, I've been so beating. Beat you're you're talking what? What is? What is the biggest need that needs to be filled that they're going to have to deal with? More or less. Yeah. Um, Until they I agree prove that they're things. not sticking with Varley, I'm just going to say in winger. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the winger, I think doing something to increase scoring, skill, um, you know, something like that, just something, something in the top six. Um, but the I'm day they sure say they... Varley's not the man, then it switches to goaltending right quick. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, unless... I know no one believes this can happen, but unless they, they sort of anoint Bernier the man and go that way. Um, you know, I, I I was very troubled with Varley's last start, and I he looked very tired and was his third in a row. I'm just not sure that he can be a, a full a time 60-game starter anymore. I've been troubled with him a lot for like three years. There's yeah. a world where they anoint each of them half a man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last time that worked was the Islanders' first cup in 1980. Chico Rash and Billy Smith. Well, it, it got a bad Maple Leafs team almost to the second round, the lockout year. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um. So let's go ahead and close this out um, with one final question from Brando Calrissian. I don't think the Avs can be called a rebuilding team without selling a single piece at consecutive deadlines. So what exactly is this team? Do you agree with that premise? Yeah, I do. I a think poorly yeah. rebuilding team. <laughs> I think to rebuild, you have to, like, yeah. I mean, they just didn't out. get rid of enough stuff for it to be a rebuild, in my mind. Now, is that a problem? Can they? No. Why is that not a problem? I mean, it's like I, I don't, I don't want to see. You know, I'm fine with getting rid of O'Reilly and then a couple of years later, Duchesne. Um, but it's like if they had sold off Duchesne, Mac, and Landy all in the same year or something like that, you know, that that's what a complete teardown to me looks like. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not saying they I'll agree to, that. to do that, but they definitely needed to move out some yeah. veterans. A retooling might be a better word for it. <laughs> And no, I, I think a team, team, a rejiggering team, a tweaking I think team, that's... a refinancing team. I'm trying to say that on meth. <laughs> that's Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> refinancing team I think is it's Ottawa. okay to retool. They just can't fall into the same trap that they right. did in previous retools. Like, like this year's fine, and I'm I'm fine with how this year's gone. But the way they approach the summer and next year and next season and where they want to take the youth and the roster and the moves they make, it's going to be a, it's a huge summer for them because they've shown that they can do the fresh start, the kids, everyone's happy. We're not terrible anymore. Yay. You know, all that they've done that. What can, how can you build on that is going to be the question. Right, it's time to take the tools you have and build the house instead of paying half price for the guy down the road to prop up a little tent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. It's... I, I agree with that. I mean, I you know, I, I think as long as they keep away from trying to, you know, load up 
uh, with more veterans than they need and, and buying stuff when they can develop it and, and sort of get into the habit of, of trying to live like that. Um, they've always been a team that bets on quality over quantity. And I think that's, you know, I, I mean, I think there's a little bit of merit to that because it does seem to work out for them in, in certain ways. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of the bigger thing sort of points that that's not the greatest strategy that a guy that's a high pick that's got, you know, pretty good Palmares coming into the draft. It doesn't work out for you. You know, you, you lose out on a guy like that, that, that sort of puts you in a hole that only quantity can make up for. And I, I think that's something they really need to look at, but I don't know if they will. Yeah, I think you nailed it. When you miss, it hurts twice as much when you don't have the quantity. Right. So um, I'm glad that this is over. This is my my least favorite times of year are the hockey business times of year. That It drives me insane. I can't stand the conversations. I can't stand the speculation. I can't stand the rumors. So I'm glad that it's over. And I think I can speak for everyone when I say I'm glad the Avalanche didn't buy um, to try to make a push for the playoffs. And to end on a positive note, I'm just going to not return to our negative rants from earlier. Let's look at some hockey. Want to look at some hockey real quick? Yeah. I like hockey. This week, the Avalanche are finally back in Denver. It's starting tonight, a game that will already be over before you listen to the show if you're not in the chat live right now, against the Vancouver Canucks, who I swear we just saw. (laughs) Then on Wednesday, the Calgary Flames, who I swear we just saw, come to town for a 7.30 mountain start. 30 game. Then... It's March. Time for the March of Death to begin. On Friday, the stupid Minnesota Wild come to town, 7 o'clock Mountain Start. And then on Sunday, it's the Nashville Predators, a 1 o'clock Mountain Matinee. All games are on Altitude, a.k.a. the Mark Alt Network. Mark Alt. (laughs) The win every game Mark Alt plays in. Someday we'll look back on the Mark Alt era as the best years of our lives. Mark Alt. You know he's going to break his arm three games in, right? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you put that out there? Damn, he did better than Cam. (laughs) Why would you put that out there on a guy, man? That's the Jelenaugh bar. (laughs) Um, Did Did he kick your puppy? No, he's got to play long enough to put Siemens on the bench and play more than Gerard. No, you're right. You're right. I don't think he can do that. It could happen. Um, I almost nailed it last week. I, I predicted three overtime losses, and I was close. I got three points. Um, <laughs> I, I think we'll get four points out of this week because that's just kind of how we roll is 500. Um I think we'll win tonight, and I think we'll 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 beat Calgary in the rematch. But I think we get destroyed over the weekend. I think we'll win tonight, but I think Calgary just smokes us again. It's the principle, the opposite. So we're due for a win against Calgary. Yeah, well, it's at home. Colorado are much better at home. Yeah, but Calgary needs these points so badly, like. But they're going to come out. That's what makes argument. them harder to get. I feel like tonight's not going to be good. <laughs> Tonight will be fine. Vancouver's a team where you just say, go, McKinnon, and it works. Yeah. They were down 4-1 to one against. McKinnon used wrist shot. Five power play goals. 
<laughs> happen anytime. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with four points too. I think they'll probably win one of those against. I'll I'll say against Nashville. Just a game nobody thinks they're gonna win. They'll win that one. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a win tonight. Lost lost to Calgary. OT win against Minnesota, and then a loss to Nashville. A lot of four point predictions. That's how they roll. They're 500 team. Like, I want to pick two points. But they are at home. <laughs> they are at home. I'll, I'll pick two points for you. Okay. Thank you for jumping on that grenade. I'm going to pick four points, but I don't want to say when any of them are going to be. They could be at any time. Four overtime losses. Yes, that could happen. Mark Alt's going to score a hat trick tonight, and everyone's going to lose their mind. Mark Alt. <laughs> And then we're have we, have we seen anything? Is, is Mark Alt in town? There's no way. There's no way. Philly's a big airport. Denver's not a big a, airport. There's not a service. Chance. He was not even <laughs> expecting to leave the Philly area. Like, <laughs> Weren't they in Montreal? I got traded where? Well, where are the phantoms? Because that's where he was going. <laughs> like, hold on. What do you mean someone wanted Mark Alt off of waivers? We didn't even tell him to, to pack heavy. This is my paper oh. Is Ryan Graves going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this has been fun, y'all. It has. It's been a, a neat a neat morning, afternoon, and now early evening, but uh, I think we're going to have to call it quits on that note. Um, thanks to everybody who's been hanging out all day long with us. Shout out to y'all and uh, giving us some stuff to talk about and uh, joining in the memification of Mark Alt just for having a model so havoc name. <laughs> Anything and, that uh, gets heckled a new nickname is, is, is really good in my book. Yeah, I agree with that too. So shout out to all of you and uh, shout out to, uh, to Joe Sackick for not trying to buy somebody. Yes, thank God for that. And call out to Joe Sackick for not selling anybody. Well, you know where to find us on the SoundCloud, on the MixCloud, and on the iTunes, and on the other podcast sources. You know, you can check us out on the Discord. We may do more live shows in the future for events like the trade deadline, or for if the Avalanche ever makes playoffs again for, like, post-game, because that's really hard to calm down and go to bed after that. Um, but we'll, we'll probably try to look for more opportunities to do things like this in the future, so shout-out to everyone who participated today. We are uh, looking forward to more opportunities to do it again. Um, in the meantime, head up dirty areas and we will see you next week, probably a normal Monday. Probably a normal Monday. See you then. No, I'm just saying, like, do, do you want to talk about the Mark Alt deal? I mean, well, we're going to talk about it, yeah. We, we're obviously going to talk about it. It's just, we should. Like live reactions. The live reactions are not analysis. Mark Alt needs to be talked about. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of which, actually, why don't you hit the Mark Alt button, then we'll start. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> for those of us listening live, please use the NHL Tread Deadline channel for any chatter.